My friends, I think it was five years ago, five long years ago, it seems, uh, Father Mike Schmitz, a very famous priest, came to our diocese. He was the keynote speaker at our men's conference. And he began his first talk with a really interesting question. He said, if you could be anywhere in the world right now, doing anything that you would like to be doing right now, where would you be and what would you be doing? If you could be anywhere in the world right now, if you could be doing anything you'd like to be doing right now, where would you be and what would you be doing? Now come back to me, everyone's at the beach perhaps, I don't know, but uh, my friends, I'm glad that you are here, here right now, that you chose to be here right now. Father Schmidt said in his talk that when he gives that survey, only 5% said they wanted to be where they were right then, doing exactly what they were doing right then. That means that 95% wanted to be somewhere else. They wanted to be doing something else. I pray our percentage is much higher than 5% here this morning. For there is, wouldn't there be something intrinsically wrong with that sort of mindset? But sadly, it seems that most of the time, and not just here at Holy Mass, right? Not just at the men's conference where they actually paid to be there, but also when we're in the office, when we're at school, even perhaps when we're at home, we'd likely give a similar answer. We'd like to be somewhere else doing something else. Isn't there something intrinsically wrong about that? Our perspectives are off when we're thinking or acting in this manner, for we are missing then an opportunity for an encounter with Jesus Christ. Jesus is in the eternal present. He is here in the now. My friends, every moment is a gift. You know, every moment, even the most challenging of moments, the most difficult of moments is a gift because Jesus Christ is present in that moment. And so if you would like to be somewhere else doing something else right now, please know that I personally am glad that you are here, here, doing exactly what you are doing right now. And I invite you to see this moment of grace as a gift, this present moment as a gift, the gift of the now. And so like Isaiah in the first reading, I invite you into the feast, the feast. You know, Holy Scripture records four historical feasts on Mount Zion. Of course, that's in Jerusalem. Each of these feasts was a liturgical celebration. Each of them were led by either King David or one of his descendants. Each of them was either a celebration of the sanctuary, the temple, or a celebration of Passover. They culminate, Dr. John Bergsma says, in the self-sacrifice of Jesus Christ onto the same mountain in which the son of David leads a Passover and a renewal of the sanctuary 
providing a perpetual feast at his own expense. The son of David, Jesus Christ, of course, leads a Passover. He leads us into freedom, freedom from slavery to sin, a renewal of the sanctuary, the sanctuary of his body, but our bodies too, the body of Christ, by providing a perpetual feast, the feast of this holy mass that we celebrate here this morning. He does this at his own expense for our benefit. And so like the psalmist, as we meditate on Psalm 23, I invite you into the feast, the feast and its Eucharistic context. You know, we sadly skip verse 2 uh, here in this Mass, but I, uh, we should meditate on it. Verse 2 of Psalm 23 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. No doubt that Mark and Luke they were uh, perhaps seeing this verse, too, of Psalm 23. They had it in mind when they recorded the feeding of the 5,000. They both described a plentiful, plentiful green grass, this pasture, right, and the Lord commandment to have them lie down. And Psalm 23 is ultimately a Eucharistic psalm, isn't it? And in, therefore, that invites us into the feast. It is in this Eucharistic feast that we are strengthened to endure the paradox described by the psalmist. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side with your rod and your staff that give me courage. It's by meditating on this Eucharistic feast of Psalm 23 that we can uh, please God, uh, live out the paradox of our lives uh, where we have no fear despite being surrounded sometimes by craziness. It is here in this Eucharistic feast that we try to make sense of suffering, that we try to make sense of the hot mess world, this crazy world that we are living in here in this holy mass. In this eternal present moment, we offer our sacrifice, including redemptive suffering, so as to mysteriously participate in the suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so like Jesus in today's gospel, I invite you to a feast, a wedding feast, a feast that surpasses anything that we can possibly imagine, a feast of rich food and choice wines, as Isaiah describes in today's first reading. Juicy, rich food and pure choice wines. It is on this mountain, a metaphor, of course, for the church, that God destroys the veil that veils all people, the web that is woven over all nations. It is here, in this holy mass, in this feast, at this precise moment, that truth, beauty, and goodness are unveiled most perfectly here in the eternal present. It is here in this mass, this place of encounter, as Isaiah says, that the Lord God will wipe away our tears. It is here that heaven and earth meet. It is here that time and space are suspended. So my friends, let us be here in this moment of grace in the eternal present. And as Isaiah said, let us rejoice 
and be glad. He has conquered death. He has saved us. This is what we celebrate here in this and every single Holy Mass. The wedding feast of the Lamb. It is the ultimate fulfillment of the everlasting covenant. The high point of the book of Revelations, that covenantal exchange of persons, that kinship bond that we enter into here with the Lord in this holy mass. Jesus is the bridegroom. We, of course, the church are his bride. You know, Holy Scripture is filled with nuptial images, filled with matrimonial images. Jesus even began his public ministry at a wedding, the wedding feast at Cana where he turned an abundance of water into the choicest of wines. It is hard to imagine a happier occasion, an opportunity to set aside the drudgeries of our lives, to set aside all the duties of our busy lives. You know, the Jewish people, Israel, were the first to, sum to be summoned to the feast, the chosen ones, the chosen people. But some refused to come. So they were invited again. I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. But those first invited, well, some of them ignored the invitation, the invitation to the wedding feast of the king's son. Some mistreated the king's servants. So the king allowed them to be conquered and their city to be destroyed. Many of those first invited refused his invitation. So he sent his servants into the main roads to invite whomever they could find, bad and good alike. And the hall was filled with guests. Yet we see that admittance, responding to our Lord's invitation, isn't enough. Those invited must also be dressed in a wedding garment. And make sure it's clear, this is not about our external clothing here in this reference. The wedding garment here referred to in the gospel is a symbol for the virtue of charity. It's a symbol for love. It is a symbol of good deeds, works done in faith for the kingdom. The king, Jesus, addresses him as my friend. He gives him an opportunity to explain but he couldn't explain a life not filled with charity. So there was silence. We too are asked to, in faith, respond to grace. Respond to the abundant grace that's being poured forth upon us always. We are called to bear fruit for the kingdom. We are called to be men and women of mercy, corporal and spiritual works of mercy. But some are unwilling to bear fruit, to perform righteous deeds. Our Lord said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one that does the will of my Father in heaven. Sermon on the Mount. For the man whose hands and feet were bound, the one cast into the darkness where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth, is the one who proclaims belief with his mouth, but does not have charity in his heart, doesn't love the Lord and his neighbor, his faith is dead. You know, our faith, my friends, is our greatest gift, and here in this Holy Mass is its greatest celebration. And His grace is only available to us in the eternal present. You know, I'm filled with so many questions today. That question we let off Mass with, of course, but also um, 
the, the questions that the Magnificat, I think, so uh, brilliantly poses to us today. The Magnificat asks, why would anyone ignore an invitation to an incredible feast? Why would some react with violence to the bearers of such pleasant invitation? Why feel annoyed and threatened by this extraordinarily generous king? All super good questions, I think. They say it highlights the irrationality of sin. Of course it does. But also it says that it highlights the false understanding of freedom and the refusal to let ourselves be loved and welcomed by our creator and redeemer. So true, I think. But I think also it highlights the reality that sadly sometimes we do not exercise the gift. We don't exercise the gift of faith, hope, and love we received at baptism so long ago. We don't exercise uh, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit we were strengthened in at our confirmation, especially perhaps that first of the gifts that leads to wisdom, that fear of the Lord, to sit simply every day in awe and wonder. Nevertheless, our Heavenly Father will continue to provide the gift, will continue to provide the Mass. Discovering this reality, what happens here in the Mass, in the heart of Reston, discovering this reality and wanting to be nowhere else, doing nothing else every Sunday is the surest road to true peace and everlasting joy. So thank you for being here. You know, only by living in the eternal present and experiencing the transformative graces offered only here in the Holy Mass, will we, like St. Paul, be able to cry out, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. For it is primarily here that God will, as Paul follows on to say, uh, fully supply whatever we need. And so, I, my friends, I invite you to live in the eternal present here in this Holy Mass and to worship the Lord, the God of love and mercy, here each week. And then to be kind and generous to our neighbors out there in an increasingly darkened world so that we may all receive our proper wedding garment, sanctifying grace. Let us all enter into the wedding feast, and may God be praised. Amen.